0: And answers. Who are the Seventh day Adventists? Are the essential doctrines of this church biblically sound, or do they deviate in significant ways from biblical teaching? Many are confused about this church. Is it part of the mainstream Christian community or not? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckeren. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics. The Defense of the Christian Faith. If you're unable to hear any part of this broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, listen in as our host, Pat Zucran, and Colleen Tinker discuss the teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and hear the similarities, but also the differences between Adventist teachings and biblical Christianity. In fact, I just explained
1: to you behind the scenes but they will say, oh, it was so far back, we don't even remember it. He's, he's eternal. And the other thing that's important to remember is that, the, that James White, Joseph Bates, and most of the founders of Adventism were anti-Trinitarian and or Arian or semi-Arian. James White wrote rather heatedly against the Trinity, and the Church has to admit this. Adventism does admit that the founders were anti-Trinitarian. They insist that Ellen White changed that through her revelations, But in fact, she did not. She only changed the way she spoke about it. She never embraced the classic Christian trinity. And even today, their theologians will say that the classic Christian trinity is not the real trinity. The trinity they endorse is more like a tritheism.
2: Explain the difference there between trinity and tritheism. Very important distinction there. Okay, they believe
1: they will not affirm that Jesus and the Spirit and the Father share substance. They say they share purpose, will, intentions, but they don't say substance. It's like a marriage. In fact, that's how I was taught about it in school. It's like you have a daddy and a mommy and a child, and you have the same name, and you have the same purpose, and you have the same reputation, more or less. And you're working for the same things, but you don't share substance in your distinct people. So that is really the Adventist Trinity.
2: Yeah. So the biblical Trinity would be one one in nature, three yeah. in person. Uh, tritheism teaches three persons with yes the same purpose. So it's yeah,
1: it, and it, different natures.
2: Right. They uh-huh. don't share nature. So it's actually a form of of polytheism. Well, in a sense, yeah. Oh. Yes. Now, when it comes to salvation, then, what does the Adventist Church teach? I mean, outwardly, if you look at their doctrinal statement, they will say, you know, salvation by grace through faith.
1: They do say that. They will then say, once you have accepted Jesus, and, and again, that's a concept that's hard to explain in an Adventist framework. But once you've accepted him, which is sort of an intellectual assent then you will show that you believe him by keeping the commandments. So it's a demonstration that you've accepted Jesus to keep all of the Ten Commandments, including the fourth, which is the Seventh-day Sabbath. So Alan White has said that keeping the Seventh-day Sabbath is the seal of God. Today, Adventists will sometimes say, oh, no, 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 we know the Holy Spirit is the seal. The Sabbath is the seal sign that you have the seal. So central to the Adventist worldview, which they really don't talk about too much with outsiders, but inside it's very, very intentional and central, is that when Jesus returns, the second, you know, when he comes back, those who will be saved are those who will be keeping the Seventh-day Sabbath, because that's the sign that they're ready to go. They'll say they don't have to keep the Sabbath to be saved, but a more accurate question for an Adventist would be, would you lose salvation if you gave up the Sabbath?
2: Ah, yeah. So it actually becomes a faith and works kind of salvation. It does. Yes. Now, when you're saying that you need to obey the law, I mean, that's one of the things that are unique about the Seventh-day Adventists. How do they view the Old Testament law?
1: They believe that the Ten Commandments themselves are eternal, That they were present in the garden that they were present in heaven before creation and that they were written by the finger of god so they are eternal and permanent and they they separate it from the rest of the torah the rest of the law by saying the ten commandments are eternal the rest of that law was just written by moses and that was what was you know completed by christ the ten commandments they say are for everybody for all time, even the angels. Oh,
2: yeah. I see, because many of us run into Adventists, you know, who seem to hold to the dietary laws and, and other parts of the Old Testament yes. law. Mm-hmm. Now, would It's not ironic. Yeah, would they be holding it as these are, you know, preferred commandments that God wishes us to obey, or, or do they hold this in a, a salvific a kind of obedience?
1: That's a very good question. They will say to outsiders that it is a health issue. They will say it's not a salvation issue. They will say it's a health issue. But as an Adventist, you know that if you eat unclean meat, as specified in Leviticus, it is a sin. It's a sin. Adventists, because of Ellen White, are even very squirrely about eating meat, especially in the North America. It's an issue sometimes in other countries where adventism isn't isn't as you know adventism is an american based religion so we got a lot of ellen white in other countries she is still just as important but they don't all know her as well so other cultures may do a lot more with meat and but Adventists will give up the unclean meat in those countries, even if they keep on eating the meat. But, there's, but Ellen White said that the time would come when you'd have to give up meat because it would be so unhealthy. But here's the kicker. The reason within Adventism is not health. It's health because you have to have a healthy brain in order to hear the Holy Spirit. But This is the thing that gets very hard to explain to a Christian. Christians don't understand that this is where Adventists are coming from, but because they believe that a man or woman does not have an immaterial spirit, that the Holy Spirit then communicates with you through your frontal lobes of the brain. So if you're unhealthy, if you don't take care of your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you're eating meat, if you're eating unclean meat, if you're eating stimulants like alcohol or coffee, which a lot of Adventists do, but with a guilty conscience. But if you're doing that, you're hindering your health, you're hindering the perception of your mind, so the Holy Spirit can't communicate with you well.
2: Yes. Now, one of the key things about Seventh-day Adventism Adventism, and one of the things that most people know that make them distinct is the worship on Saturday or the Sabbath Mm -hmm. worship. Now, one of their arguments, of course, is, you know, Why do you modern-day Christians only obey nine out of ten commandments? You should be obeying all of them, which is the fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath holy. So you should be, a true believer should be worshiping on a Saturday. Why is it that Mm -hmm. Christians hold to nine of them, but not the fourth commandment, the Sabbath?
1: Well, that's also a very good question. First of all, Jesus said, He didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And the New Testament, Colossians 2, 16 and 17, Hebrews 4, are very clear that the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, was one of the ritual holy days that was given to Israel. Colossians 2, 16 and 17 is very clear about that, um, about observing the feasts, the new moons, and the Sabbath. And no one should hold you or judge you for that. Jesus fulfilled all of those sabbaths so in him we don't have holy time we have a holy god and he makes us his and puts his spirit in us and that according to hebrews is the sabbath rest that remains in fact hebrews 4 even says israel never entered his rest so he gave us another day called today and if you hear his voice today enter his rest today There's a Sabbath rest that remains for all believers, and that's the rest in Christ. So Christians understand that. I don't know if Christians would be able to explain it because, you know, they grow up in Christianity sometimes. But there's a second level to this. Hebrews is so clear about this. So is Galatians and Romans. The new covenant has put us in a new administration. The covenant for Israel at Sinai was temporary, as Galatians says. It came 430 years after Abraham until the seed, that is, Christ. So when Jesus came, we no longer need the law, which was the tutor to lead us to Christ. We now live by faith. And living by faith means we've been ushered into the new covenant, which Jesus inaugurated in his blood. And we don't live under the law. So when they say Christians are keeping nine of the ten, I respectfully say, no, we're not keeping any of the 10. We're living in a new covenant. Righteousness and morality come from God, not from the 10 commandments. (laughs) So those who honor the Lord and know him are going to be filled with his spirit and live with the morality and righteousness of Christ himself. It's like when my mother emigrated from Canada and became a naturalized U.S. citizen, She still couldn't murder or kill, you know, she couldn't steal without being prosecuted by the law, but it would be a different law that was prosecuting her. She was not keeping Canadian law anymore. There were things that were very unique to Canada that were no longer hers. She no longer, you know, could literally legitimately claim the Canadian national anthem as hers. She now had the star-spangled banner. So there's ways in which when you, change countries. You can kind of understand the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Morality is eternal because God is eternal. So it's not the law we're keeping. We're honoring the Lord Jesus in us.
2: Yes, and that's something that uh, Paul made clear, you know, in the book of Romans, you know, 5, 6, and 7, and in Galatians, that Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament law when he said on the cross, it is finished. He had fulfilled the law as he stated he would do and he established the new covenant and as you stated yeah paul states in romans 7 you know but now by dying to what once bound us it's the old law we've been released from the law so that we serve the new way of the spirit and not the old way of the written code it's been fulfilled in christ and we're under the new covenant of christ and in that new covenant you know this sabbath commandment is not repeated it, no. Yeah, and in fact in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says that the believers on the first day of the week when we were gathered to break bread, so they were celebrating the resurrection of Christ which was on Sunday. And so, you know, for s- several reasons then, the Sabbath is not a salvation issue for believers in Christ.
1: Exactly.
2: Yes. All right. You mentioned several times about the nature of man that Seventh-day Adventism does not teach that man has an eternal soul and spirit. Tell us about that.
1: Okay, it's actually probably the doctrine that is the framework that provides the framework for most of its for most of its beliefs. It's almost like an invisible thing. You have to start digging through the beliefs before you figure out why it's shaped like that. But Adventism believes And Ellen White was explicit, and they are very, very rigorous about teaching this, that man is physical. He does not have an immaterial spirit. They call it Greek dualism to believe that you have a spirit or a soul. They say man doesn't have a soul. He is a soul. And in their fundamental belief book, they have a book. um, It's an internal book it's available online, but it's, I I mean, it's available for purchase, but it's not available as a, as a book that you can download as some other things are. It's called Seventh-day Adventist Believe and it's an exposition of every one of their 28 fundamental beliefs. And in that book, it actually says that every time a child is born, a soul comes into existence. So they don't believe that prior to birth, you are a soul. You're just, an unborn being, and they believe that when you die and your breath leaves your body, and they compare this in that same book, Seventh-day Adventist believe, to an electric switch. When the electricity goes off, the light goes out. When you cease to breathe, the life is gone and your body goes to the grave, and nothing of you remains. God remembers who you are, and when he comes again and the resurrection, he creates a new body, he downloads, essentially, the data of your personality into that new body, but it is not, a, you know, it's not a continuation of the person who died. It's, it's a reconstruction. So when Adventists die, they die badly. They don't know if they're saved. They don't know if they've passed that judgment. They also don't believe that they're going anywhere. They're going to cease to exist. And the next thing they're going to know is that there's going to be a resurrection. And at that point, they're going to figure out if they're saved or lost. And they hope they come back. I mean, you know, they're told they'll come back. But there's no assurance because they really do believe you die like an animal. You cease to exist. And this colors everything. It's why the health message is so important. It, It extends your life. You don't go into the grave quite so quickly. Your body is how you even know God. So everything is tied up and interpreted through this physical belief in life. It's just
2: physical. Oh, that's almost, you know, identical to what the Jehovah Witnesses and the other groups believe when it comes to the nature of man. Well, It is. Yeah. Well, how do I explain passages like Luke 16, you know, Lazarus and the rich man, and mm. Revelation chapter 5 where John is up in heaven and he sees thousands upon ten thousands encircled around the thrones, praising God, saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. I mean, how do they interpret verses like that?
1: The Lazarus and the rich man parable, a story they call just a parable. And they say the entire reason for that story was to talk about how you use your wealth. The rich man who didn't take care of Lazarus. And now, you know, there's this whole metaphor of Lazarus not being able to help the rich man in death. I remember when our pastor said, Early on in our time out of Adventism, we asked him to come and teach our former Adventist group about death. And we all said to him, when he would mentioned that story of Lazarus, we all said to him, oh, but that's just a parable. And I still remember, you know, 19 years later, the look of stunned incredulity on his face. And he said, Jesus would never tell an untruth to teach a truth. That was shocking. Me and I realized it was true. So they would, that's how they explain that. They just dismiss it as a parable that was just illustrating the use of wealth. The Revelation text, they just say, oh, that's just a vision. It's just visionary, rhapsodic figures of speech. We don't, you know, we can't say exactly. It's not that that's actually here. God showed him that, kind of like God showed Ellen that Jesus was up in heaven searching the
2: books. Yes, wow, that's just, you know, fascinating. And I can see how a lot of reliance is on the writings of Ellen G. White to interpret the Bible.
1: Yes, that's that's the bottom
2: line. And so Adventists have trouble studying the Word of God all by itself because they view Ellen G. White's writings as so authoritative, practically equal to that of the Scriptures of the Bible.
1: That's true. That's exactly right.
2: Well, to the Adventists who are out there listening, there's a lot here uh, in the state of Hawaii and in Asia where we have strong presence out there. Uh, What would you say to the Adventists?
1: I would say to do two things. First of all, I, I want to preface this by saying, I know how angry I would have been as an Adventist to hear me saying these things to you. I would have thought, she's misrepresenting us. She's not explaining it right. I just want to say I am explaining it the way it is. What I would say to an Adventist is this. First of all, ask God to show you what is true and real. Ask him to plant you deeply in truth and reality. And then open your Bible and ask God to show you what he knows he wants you to learn. You don't even know what you might need to learn. And God might take each of you to a different place to begin, but ask him to show you how to study the Bible. And I would just throw out the suggestion, start with the book of Galatians, read it every day for a month. It's a short book, and ask Jesus to teach you as you read that book. And for the
2: Christians who have friends who are Adventists or work in hospitals here that are run by Adventists. So they come into contact with many Adventists and and have many Adventist friends. What would you recommend for us as we reach out to our Adventist friends?
1: First of all, I would say please do not assume that because your Adventist friend says the things that you think (laughs) says things that you think they need to say to let you know they're a Christian, please do not assume they mean what you mean when they say those words. Adventists and Christians use the same words, but Adventists have different definitions of those words. And I can tell you absolutely that in most cases, neither the Adventist nor the Christian understand that they have different definitions. Adventists are taught what they were told, what Christians think and believe. And we're told what words mean. And we're made to believe that we mean what the Adventists, what the Christians mean. And Christians don't understand that Adventists are dealing with different definitions because they can say the things that sound like they're believers, but they have different definitions. So, number one, don't assume that your Adventist friend is a Christian because they say the right words. Number two, study the Bible with them. Just get into personal Bible studies with them. That is the way that most Christians really figure out what Adventists really think. When you actually grapple with the Word, that's when it starts to show up that you're dealing with something different, and you can start to say, but look at this in context.
2: Yes, that's great advice there. You know, this has been a tough show for some people to listen to, and we had to cover a lot of ground, you know, in just a short amount of time. But if people want more information on what you're talking about and a deeper understanding of Adventism and how it differs from biblical teaching. Uh, Where can they go to get more information?
1: Lifeassuranceministries.org. Lifeassuranceministries.org is the site where we have all of our magazines online. We also have a YouTube channel, Former Adventist Fellowship, on YouTube. If you search for Former Adventist Fellowship on YouTube, you'll find our channel. We also have a blog site, blog.proclamation.org. Dot com, And our, on our blog site, there is a way to sign up for our weekly emails. We send the emails out every Friday with new, in, with new articles, and we post them on the blog site and we notify you of them in a weekly email every Friday.
2: Yes, been on your website this last couple of weeks. Just fantastic information there. And as we close, you know, Colleen, what motivates the people? There at Life Assurance Ministries to do what you do. Are they angry? Do they want to see this organization go down? I mean, what is it that motivates you all?
1: We are not angry. We grew up and were shaped by Adventism, and we know the despair. We know that. We know both the pride and the despair of being Adventists. Many of our families are still Adventists. Some of many of us. My husband, for example are the only ones in our families who have actually officially left. We lose so many family relationships, even social circles, even jobs. So we're not angry, but we know that our Adventist loved ones don't know the real gospel. And we know that if they don't understand the gospel and trust Jesus, they won't be saved. We love Adventists. We want them to know the gospel. And I know how hard it is to break through the resistance to hearing things from people outside, especially those who have left. Because Ellen White, in her sadistic genius, I guess you might say, actually said, the people that will be the worst persecutors of the Adventists are those who once kept the Sabbath and then left. So we understand what it is that keeps people from seeking, but we want them to know Jesus.
2: Yes, and it's the love of Christ that, as Paul says, compels us to present the truth and the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. And that's what compels you and your staff each and every day to share the love of Jesus Christ, but also to show where a Seventh-day Adventism deviates from biblical Christianity. So thank you for your ministry. It's a great website, and I hope that many will reach out to you and your staff there at lifeassuranceministries.org. So, Colleen, thanks for being with us here on Evidence and Answers.
0: Thank you. run out of time thank you for joining us here on evidence and answers radio broadcast we hope you enjoyed pat's show today if you would like pat to speak at your church bible study or perhaps hold an apologetics conference give him a call that number locally in hawaii is 483-0586 or you may contact him through the evidence and answers website That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like pats on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there on the homepage. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. You'll also find Pat's books there. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.